Thank you, Pastor Sun Kun, for, for leading our service, and thank you, everybody, for joining us. I met some pastors yesterday and were saying, come the November period and December period, you see the attendances in church go down because the holidays have begun. And to see good numbers here and good numbers at Bishan. Let's greet Bishan because we are simulcasting this. If you clap, I think they can hear it. Why don't we do that? Good morning, Bishan. And good morning to all who are joining us online and listening to God's Word. And so, Romans 16 is one of those passages in which you look at it from the start and is a totally dispensable passage of Scripture. Romans 16 is one of those passages where you look at it and you want to forget it. But I want to say to you, Romans 16 is a gem. Though it looks dispensable, it is indispensable. Though it looks forgettable, it mustn't be forgotten as part of our lives. Why? And so today's message is gospel greetings, gospel warnings, and gospel blessings. What kind of greetings have you given this last week? How have you greeted people? What kind of greetings have you received this week? Did anyone greet you in the first place? When you woke up, did your husband or your wife, your children greet you? Did you greet your children? Did you meet people out there? And were the greetings sincere, friendly, warm, welcoming? Or the greetings were insincere, hostile, cold, alienating? I don't know whether they found the videos for this. They have? Yep. Okay. Here are two snippets. That was the greeting I received by God's grace as guest of honour to a school. And handbells, pretty ordinary, gymnastics, pretty ordinary, but it was no ordinary school because it's called Grace Orchard School for the special needs. And you've got intellectual special needs. I just look at them, perform those things with all sincerity, with all their heart, the intellectual capacity needed for that the motor skills needed for that to overcome, the timing of it, the teamwork waiting for each other. And why do you think the parents broke out into applause to see their kids able to do those cartwheels and those things in gymnastics? I was overwhelmed. I was touched. Surely, I don't deserve that kind of greeting that took so much effort on their part. I'm nobody. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace so happened to have a role now. I'm not fit for this greeting, but it was so sincere, so warm, so from the heart, and so for our hearts. And as I watched that, the principal leaned over to me later on in the program and said, the boy who is giving the valedictory speech, when he first came to school and she interviewed him, there was not a word from him. It will be a miracle to hear anything from him, a single word, in class, in any situation. And by the time he was graduating, he gave the entire valedictory speech without any impediment. What made him blossom from a special needs kid who wouldn't speak a word or couldn't speak a word 
to one who would stand up there and he got multiple awards in that Thanksgiving prize giving day. And every time he got up, the whole school just cheered him on. I would like to think he blossomed because he was welcomed by his principal, by his teachers, who saw hope and potential. They didn't see a problem to be solved. They saw a child to be loved. And that's vitally important. Some of us may sit here and may have children or relatives who have special needs, who perhaps are not so academically inclined and the PSLE results have shown that, proven that, demonstrated that. And you sit there thinking, I as a parent will never be invited to a prize-giving ceremony, let alone for my child to one day give the valedictory speech. Do not sit there as if we know tomorrow. We do not know what will come tomorrow. And that's the gist of this passage. We blossom when we are loved, welcomed and accepted by Christ into the kingdom of God. So far from Romans 16 being a passage that you can ignore and I can ignore, it is actually the demonstration of all that he has preached of this righteousness that has come from God, fulfilled in the person of Jesus, inviting Jews and Gentiles into God's kingdom. And so, this is the possible outline, gospel greetings, gospel warnings, and then gospel blessings. He begins here, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, and who is she? A few things we must take note. She's a servant of the church at Sankra, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. As you look at that, what is it you know about Phoebe from Paul's first introduction? In all likelihood, she's going to be the courier, right? The courier for Paul to bring this letter to the Christians in the city of Rome the number one city of that time. And so this is what we know about her. Firstly, she's our sister, a sister in Christ. And that's important because he's going to use this term many times within this letter. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Ask you a trick question. And what's the trick question? The trick question is, which is more important, the spiritual family of God or the natural biological family? answer with great care. In John chapter 1, it gives you an insight that the Word become flesh, right? Jesus has come into the world and uh, this is so important and vital for us to know. With our biological children, it's just the will of a man and woman in marriage. Sadly, sometimes out of marriage. But Jesus coming into the world and us becoming children of God, we become children of God through his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. In short, if you don't understand, it caused Jesus' life to turn us from enemies of God to become children of God. And as children of God and family of God, we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. So when was the last time you called somebody in church? Here at Adam, there at Bishan, anywhere in the world, if you call yourself Christians, you're tuning in. When was the last time you greeted somebody as my dear brother, a sister, or sister in Christ. You want to do that now? You want to try? Wherever you are, turn to the person next to you. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. Hi, 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 brother. Hi, sister. Yep. Sounds a bit foreign, right? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be your last instinct. It should be your first instinct. So that's what Paul addresses Phoebe to be. A sister in Christ. She's a servant of the church. The Greek word servant, diakonos, can be used of all of us. We're not just brothers and sisters in Christ. We are servants. But in all likelihood, she was, it can be translated, deaconess. Was she a deaconess? Which would send a profound message. Here was a woman, and a woman in the early church, and women given dignity and given and recognized for their ministry. You, the Christians in Rome, are to welcome her in the Lord. In the Lord. And welcome, give her a welcome worthy of. Give her a welcome, I, had, I just showed you two snippets. 
They give me a welcome which was, I was unworthy of because I knew nothing about them except their special needs school. Give, them a wel- give her a welcome worthy of what you will give all the saints, all the holy people of God, made holy not by works, made holy by the work of Jesus. Help her in whatever way you can. And Paul says, she's a patron of many and patron of myself. She's a person of status, of wealth, and she used whatever. And it leads us to what we call, very important in the early church, the whole ministry of commendation. And what's the whole ministry of commendation? Very important. Firstly, notice, when Paul greets, he doesn't greet you out of formality. You ask some of the teachers when you walk into class, I don't know whether they still greet teachers today. Good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. You think they greet you warm-heartedly? It's customary. It's a formality. I've got no choice but to greet you. My first year in high school in Australia, in Sydney, Australia, I got a shock that the students were allowed to put their feet on the table even as the teacher walked in. A massive shock to my system. Right? Growing up here in Asia, no greeting of the teacher, he's just an equal. Things gone wrong. It's not flattery when Paul greets them from this point onwards, from verse 3. And flattery is you compliment the other person with an eye on your self-interest and self-importance. It's not beholdenness. He's asking them to remember things that have happened in their past for their present things. It's not beholdenness. Some people could take it as beholdenness. It is this. It's the ministry of commendation, the sending of and receiving of Jesus' people. It was hospitality. She will be a total, Phoebe will be a total stranger to Rome, but she is to be treated as a citizen of God's kingdom, a family member, a stranger in a secular world, a secular sense, but family member from God's sense. So, so important. We just had a dinner last night, and one of my colleagues in Straits Times, and I'd forgotten this years and years ago. I was finishing Bible college, and he had gone, I think, to do his MBA with his wife. They knew nobody in Sydney, Australia. We were there. And so we just put out a word for him to find accommodation, get started. And it so happened that the principal of Mall College, the, the wife, had some place and gave it to them at a very, very low rate. And so they found accommodation from knowing nobody there. Years later, <laughs> my colleague tracked me down and said, you remember what you did? I said, I can't remember. Can you just rewind for me what? And he gave, gave us that dinner in remembrance of that act that we have forgotten. In ARPC, we have a ministry of commendation. You want your children to go overseas to study? We have connections by God's grace in different cities of the world. And it takes one email, one phone call, say, can you please look after Arnold? Can you please look after Mary? She's the daughter, she's the son of one of our members. And the welcome of you will surely be there unless something has gone wrong. Same, when somebody sends us a message, my son, my daughter, my father is coming here to work for a while. Can you look after him? Can you connect him with someone? We will try our very best. That gospel big-heartedness and hospitality must carry on. And so I went for my last sabbatical in Canberra. The word got out, and one of my former classmates, Rob Smith, who has been here with Emu Music, he heard that we needed the car. He drove that, he got one of my other classmates, two of them, they heard of our needs. They drove the car almost all the way to Canberra and said, you can use it for free for the next six months. It's just like that. And last night at the dinner, another pastor said, I went for my sabbatical with my wife and my three kids. They were young. We knew nobody there. He arrived there. Somebody said, you need help? And in the Christian fellowship and in the service, yeah, this brother is going overseas for a while. His house is, is vacant. His car is free. And what's the rental? Whatever you can pay. We are the family of God. It is the ministry of commending each other to one another. We must never let down the God on that. And that's how we have received, all the way from members to pastors. They are known to us, but I make them known to you. And we do this 
because we are the people of God. So gospel greetings for godly gratitude. To remember the servants God sent to us is to remember God himself. To forget the Samaritans and remember Jesus himself gave the parable of the Good Samaritan. It should have been a Jew or at least a Jewish priest who would stop and help somebody in dire need, beaten up, robbed, beaten up. No, it was the Samaritan who came along. To forget the Samaritans sent our way is to forget God who sent them our way in the first place. And there's a very huge difference between what? A very huge difference between godly remembrance and sinful forgetfulness. We always arrive on the shoulders of others. You never arrive by yourself. And we speak this from young to old. One of the most painful things for natural biological parents is for their children to somewhere turn along and as if their children grew up changing their own nappies. Somebody changed your nappies, you know? Somebody fed you. Your father held down a job. Your mother went out to work. They watch you night after night, day after day. Both in our families, in the spiritual family, we always arrive on the shoulders of others. We never arrive by ourselves. Mona, my wife, who was leading the service today, was looking for songs to sing. And she chanced upon an older song, and the two people she found in the video clip that was there singing, she says, do you know who that fellow is? I look hard, I don't really like Oh, <laughs> one of them was Dallas Watts. Who on earth was Dallas Watts? He was the guy I bumped into in my hostel in Sydney. It was about three weeks after I was invited to Billy Graham Crusade. Nobody called me up, nobody followed me up. And this man, a total stranger to me, who lived on the same floor of this hostel, he introduced himself as Dallas Watts, and he said, uh, you want to come to church? I said, I'm free, I'll go. And as I went to that church service, I've told this story quite a few times, he was at that, on that day singing. And when he sang, it will be a song that will be played at my funeral. To God, <clears throat> sorry, to God be the glory. 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 For the things he has done. I'm struggling with my voice this morning. I spoke too much yesterday. But it blew me away. And he was an opera trained singer, just singing his heart out for God. I'll never forget Dallas Watts, who introduced me to the first church in Singapore. I wasn't converted here. I so happened to meet Reverend John Ting in one of the OCF conventions. And I said to him, if I ever go to Singapore, right, can I come visit you? And I came to Singapore. I had nowhere to stay. I stayed with him. He invited me to Princep Street. We are the daughter church of Princep Street. You never forget who God sends in your way. You always arrive on the shoulders of others. That's a very important thing. So I want you to pause for a moment as to who has God sent your way to be part of your salvation, to be part of your maturation in Christ Jesus. Surely you didn't wake up one day and say, I think I should believe in Jesus. I've not heard of such a conversion. Please tell me if that was your conversion. God sent a chain of people into your life to save you and to lead you into ministry. Amen? Never forget them. And that's what Paul does here. He's greeting them. You know what? Paul is not the founder of the church in Rome. How did he know so many of these people to greet them? They count 27 personal greetings of them. And one idea, one possibility is, remember in AD 49, Emperor Claudius issued a law because there was disruption in Rome. It was caused mostly by the Jewish Christians, they said. They accused them. He marched them out. So Jewish Christians were dispersed all over, maybe between then, AD 49 and AD 60 plus, when this is written, he had met a lot of the Roman Christians in different parts of Asia Minor. And now as he pens this letter, he names them 
binding. So greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And what is so great about Prisca and Aquila? And notice Prisca is always named before Aquila. For a period of time when Mona started a scripture union executive director, I was a new pastor in Princep Street. I was known as Mr. Mona. It's okay. All right. Great Prisca and Aquila, she was more prominent. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. You wouldn't find that kind of language in the Bible, right? Here's Paul. He's telling you this is godly remembrance for godly gratitude. To whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Paul owes his fellow workers in Christ, fellow Jews, right? Gentile Christians owe this Jewish couple a debt of love. Very, very important. There was no love loss between Jews and Gentiles. No love loss between modern-day Palestinians and modern-day Israelis. And the theme of love is huge in Romans. And why is it huge in Romans? Just walk with me. Wherever we are, whether at Bishan or Adam, can we read this together? Romans 5.5, 5. I'll read the verse and we'll read it together. God's love has been poured into our hearts. 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 8.37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 8.39, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So they meet a God of love. And because he's the Trinitarian God of love, the Father sent his Son to die on the cross to give us the righteousness. The Spirit comes to seal that love in us. We should be a people of love. Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. You know how much you summarise those two verses? Chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. You can be competitive in love. Please compete with one another. This is competitive love. Outdo. Be generous. Don't be stingy with love. And chapter 13, verse 8. You owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. In other words, if you trace the whole storyline of Romans, ending in Romans 16, it's actually love expressed in unity between Jews and Gentiles who hated each other for centuries. You will not find a Jew and Gentile sitting together for anything as much as you will not find Ukrainians and Russians sitting with each other. You will not find Palestinians and Israelis sitting with one another. They won't be even dragged to that table. And 15.5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with each other, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And this one mind, one heart, one voice, love, expressed in oneness and peace is what glorifies God. When the angelic beings in heaven see the church on earth, Paul will say this in Ephesians 3, they would wonder, they would ponder, and they would worship if God could bring two races of people who hate each other's guts and bring love and peace between them. There is nothing impossible for God to do. That's the cross. That's Jesus. That's the church for us. So, only Jesus can do this. Do what? Turn hostility that comes from my diversity of races, of gender, of class, and turn it to unity in diversity, as you see in this list in Romans 16. So, our DNA here is that you see them all the way from Phoebe, Prisca, Aquila, and Paul is encouraging the Christians in Rome to do this. 
Christians, we look out for each other. We watch each other's back. We do not stab each other in the back. So we just had two retreats over the weekend of our ministries here in ERPC. One was the Mercy Ministry Retreat. And the Mercy Ministry in charge of our visitation of the old and the sick. Mercy Ministry is also in charge of our prisons ministry, our drug rehab ministry, very important ministries. But there are ministries which are very difficult, especially with drugs and criminals and rehab. Because seldom do they kick the habit once. They come out, they go in, they come out, they go in, until the penny finally drops. And so my message to them, I was asked to give a, a message to them, and each year I enjoy that retreat as we enjoy all those retreats. And the message was from 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, we do not lose heart. It's very easy to lose heart in ministries. So I asked them before I got started in the talk, what might make you lose heart? Ask them to discuss it and then shout out their answers before I gave the message. And one group and one representative shouted out the answer, what makes us lose heart? is uh, when we suffer friendly fire. Friendly fire. So pastors don't usually leave unless we fight with each other. Elders and deacons, right? Mysteries love the work out there, but mysteries fall out with one another. It's friendly fire that kills. And so we mustn't take the love, the peace and the unity here for granted. A good number of you would have come from churches to join ERPC because the love and fellowship of your churches fell apart. We are very happy and thankful to God to receive you and we pray that this will be your last stop. And we pray as we do the membership classes and transfers, make sure that that is settled and don't carry that problem into ERPC because you don't settle matters there in all likelihood, is going to turn up here. It's called confession and repentance. The breaking up of relationships, the breaking down of relationships. And so those things are vitally important as we look at this list. The gospel lessons of love. Personal greetings to some say 24, some say 27. A beautiful picture of unity in diversity. Where they are loving each other, accepting each other, welcoming one another with one voice, one heart, with one voice, one mind, and one heart. Then he goes on. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert in Asia. First convert in Asia, a claim to fame. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. And so a word about Junia, in all likelihood, the, the name is masculine, but most likely here it's, it's feminine. And they are fellow prisoners, fellow sufferers. And that's so important for us to realize. He calls them fellow workers and fellow sufferers. I remember going to this AEF conference that reaches out to South Asia. And each person who came from different parts of South Asia, the continent of India and beyond, right? Sometimes the militancy of some religious groups is very life-threatening. And he managed to get a visa to come, and he shared. But his nephew, whom he converted, didn't manage to get the visa because he was arrested. And in all likelihood, as our brother was sharing, he would be executed soon, simply for being a preacher of the gospel. And he just stood there and cried and cried. As it were, a double whammy for him, an uncle sharing Jesus with his nephew to save him. But in the hostile world that we live in that hates God and hates Jesus, his nephew, who got saved spiritually, would now die before he dies in prison simply because he preached Christ. As much as it was true then in the first century, it is true today. You sit there thinking online, Bishan and Adam, is Pastor Chris going to go through all the 24 names? I assure you, no. Here is the summary. Four times he refers to the Christians as in Christ. We are all in Christ. You know the privilege and the honour to be in Christ? 
In Christ, Satan is defeated. In Christ, your sins are forgiven. In Christ, the God, God's wrath against you is gone. In Christ, death is not your final word. In Christ, you live forever in heaven. Outside Christ, Satan rules your life. Outside Christ, your sins are not forgiven. Outside of Christ, God's wrath stands against us. Outside Christ is an eternity without God in hell. In Christ is a massive term in the New Testament. In the Lord, five times. Sister and brother, beloved, right? very able to call each other, very willing to call each other beloved. They are fellow workers, they are fellow sufferers. Jesus' borderless church, God's universal family. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. Revelation, the picture of that. Amona made light of it, maybe in Singapore, mainly Chinese. Um, every Teochew, every Hokkien, every Hakka, every... You know, in the previous years, the different dialect groups could, could not marry each other. You go and read Bobby Sung's book. When that happened, there was a riot along the Singapore River. And about 400 people died in that riot. A hundred years ago, if I, a Teochew man, saw Mona as an attractive Hokkien girl, if I go there and date her, I'm finished. Which tells you in our sinful nature, we build all sorts of barriers. So all those who marry inter-dialect, hands up. You're very brave. You don't need to be brave anymore, right? And so God's borderless church is a wonderful thing. So, beautiful picture of diversity. The race barriers between Jews and Gentiles. The sex barriers between men and women. And women are mentioned ten times. And two of them of prominence. Phoebe, right? Prisca. Three of them, right? Very important. And then slaves. Slaves in family. If we mention the household family, they're most likely slaves, but they become freedmen. And most of them will be poorer, lower strata. So in Singapore, we are reaching the poorer working classes, if this was first century Rome. But there'll be some of prominence who became converted. Some, they think, from the imperial household or who worked for the imperial household. So Christ is the great leveler of human society. He's broken down the barriers. You know how hard it is to cross-race barriers, if there's something sacred in Singapore politics and government, you touch race issues, the government will come after you. You never touch race issues. You never touch religious issues. All those things are fault lines in the ground. You never speak badly against each other in that way. Very sensitively today, men and women barriers remain. The Me Too movement Class barriers, we are so worried about the genie coefficient between the rich and the poor in Singapore. Christ has broken down the barriers, but somehow the Church of God over 2,000 years keeps building the barriers, building the walls. You go to America today, there's still a big distinction between the white church and the coloured church. For years, it was been in the white church and the Afro-American church. I was just there in September, and we got a grab, and it was an Afro-American driver. And she says, yeah, I grew up in this city. And uh, yeah, right, you're a pastor. Yeah, you came for a conference. You're good. So how was church for you here? Said, church for us? We go first thing in the morning, and church doesn't end till the evening. That's how they hang out in church. You go to a Caucasian church, you don't finish within an hour, you'll be looking at their watches. Totally different in terms of culture, right? And we've got to keep watching for the unholy huddles and subcultures and keep asking ourselves, are we barrier builders right, or barrier breakers? In the early years of ARPC, I had to preach this very often. In our congregation, there'll be BB and GB boys and girls. In our congregation, there could be church kids. And it would seem that the BB and GB boys and girls cannot fraternalize and fellowship with the church kids. Who do you think needs to welcome who? Most of the BB and GB boys and girls who were converted were from a poorer background, more working class. More of our church kids came from a church, from a middle class background. And we should reach out to them and welcome them. Years later, we are doing better, I hope, and I pray. And then there was the demarcation between the local graduates and the foreign graduates. 
And I said, after the service, I do not want to see all of you in holy huddles. All the local graduates in one place, all the foreign graduates in one place, all the BB boys is sitting in one place. We must make the effort to cross the aisle and break the barriers. Amen? Amen, Bishan? There are men from Mercy Ministry there, etc. And the big thing now in churches, read articles, written articles about this, is many of our churches are now into separation mode. We are praying with all our hearts for integration. In the early church, there was no Sunday school. They just sat together. There was no youth fellowship. They are all just modern things. When Paul writes to Ephesians and Colossians, he addresses the husbands and the wives, addresses the husbands, the the parents and the children all in one go. He addresses the slaves and the masters all in one go. It was integrated church, intergen, interclass, interrace. Today, unfortunately, we have a lot of separatist churches. And so, very important, I'll say to you, for all of us, after the service, every week here, right, those we know young children. Can you walk up to those with young children because you look at them, the, those with young children? Look, look in vision. They all look so tired now. They hardly have a... I'm like, continuous sleep is a miracle for them. Interrupted sleep is their normal with young kids. Can you go to them with young kids and not see a young kid say, oh dear, right, young kid crying. Go to them and carry the child. But must have some skill. Lah, right? Bow low enough to carry a child with old folks. All the old folks all sit together in fellowships all around Singapore, all around the world. The whole week, uh, they sat by themselves, no? Ignored by their family. Sometimes they go to an elderly care service in the HDB block. You think that elderly Christians come to church to be isolated one more time by the people of God? Pause long enough to say hello to an old person. I've said that again and again. You know what it's like talking to an old person? It's called the spare parts conversation. Last week, right eye cataract, cataract. This week, left eye cataract. Last month, left knee operation. This month, right knee operation. You talk to your grandfather, grandmother, oh dear, one day you will get there. Then you'll be wondering after service, how come nobody comes to talk to me? The Church of Jesus Christ has to prayerfully break those barriers. If I don't preach sermons like that, which I'm not loved for, we will all sit in our holy huddles. And here's the takeaway. If you don't need Jesus to be part of a group, it's called a club. Fishing club, golf club, swimming club, diving club, skiing club. You don't need Jesus to join that club. If you need Jesus to cross a barrier, that's called a church. Oh Lord Jesus, I don't like talking to young people. Oh Lord Jesus, I don't like talking to old people. Oh Lord Jesus, that person is a different colour to me. I don't like talking to coloured people. Oh Lord Jesus, you must break that barrier. Amen? Only then do we bring glory to God. We do not come to church to sit in holy huddles. Separation versus integration. Very important. Right now as I speak, we've sent off December, uh, November, December, two, three mission trips. One has gone to a neighbouring country, and reaching out to who? Refugees who have been accepted in the country. But after the country accepted the refugees, nobody reaches out to them to teach their children, to give them jobs. Guess who? By some connection opened up to us, we can go and teach them some English, teach them some skills. If we can cross the borders around our region to the surely you have enough energy to cross and walk out. Here in the RPC, we've just created more fellowship space. Did you notice, Adam? Some extra space. We're ordering the tables and chairs to come. Please don't, after a while, in church, the chair has your name. Then after service, the tables and chairs downstairs or in the canteen in Bishan also has your name. Fixed position. It always is more uncomfortable to get out of your seat, to say hello to somebody who is different to you. Amen? Very different. So we thank God for this. We try to practice this DNA in our midst. The church camp, more than a thousand places. How long do you take, out, take to sell out our church camp? 
Jason Lim is not here today, but uh, I signaled to him yesterday. I think it took one hour, 50 minutes to sell out 1,000 plus seats. And then the children's church camp, which is coming up next weekend. How long do you think the children's church camp was booked out? I think it was 23 minutes. Then last week, we launched our Thanksgiving dinner, our year-end dinner. Right? How long do you take to sell out the Thanksgiving dinner? Six minutes. 114 tables. And that's not a boast. That's a boast in Christ Jesus. That our parents don't go for holidays until their children go for the church camp. That the first thing I factor in my diary for next year is the annual church camp. Amen? I'm not kidding you. The church camp finished this year and I was eating lunch before we left and a youth came up to me, Uncle Chris, what's the date for next year's church camp? Huh? He in first time and he enjoyed it so much. He's going to book his dates. What's so great about that? And so some photos of last year's Thanksgiving dinner, right? Just to, just to show you, I do go around, right? Not like MP, but trying to break barriers. First photo, the largest one, is our Filipino helpers, the Rhoda Fellowship, right? Next photo on the top right hand is of our Mercy Ministry, the former prisoners, former drug addicts. You know where they sit? Every year for 20 over years, they get the prime seats right in front of the stage. Why do we do that? Because it's loving, welcoming, accepting them as the most important persons in our midst. When in daily life, a foreign worker, right, a domestic helper, is not even greeted in day-to-day -day living, let alone welcome to a banquet. And the last photo, I don't know who those fellows are. <laughs> Some of our leaders here and just enjoying ourselves. We had a, I think, fancy dress and we dressed ourselves. And so those things are very important to express our oneness, the breaking of barriers with one another. Amen? As I speak now, tomorrow, you know we adopted a dom during COVID-19 at 61 Gould Drive, G-U-L-D-R-I, uh, Gould Drive, at Tuas. Somewhere along the line, please drive along, drive to Gould Drive to see where our foreign workers live, right? And so we've given permission to take them out for outings. And tomorrow, they're going to get on an open, the open top bus and they go down Orchard Road and see the lights, right? Pastor Lak Yong, who now heads up this ministry, I got him to do it and, and <laughs> he invited me initially. And then he texted me yesterday with a very sad message. The, the, the bus companies, we booked three, now only got two buses. And then P Pastor Chris, uh, sorry, you can't come. La. <laughs> I was so upset with him. I was so happy. Because <laughs> a very heavy weekend. He says, 92 workers are coming for this. In any small way we can, we break the barriers. We share the gospel. Amen? It's vitally important that we do this. And so that's why he ends this portion. We say, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Tertullian was the church leader in the first centuries. He calls this the kiss of peace. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss of death. That is the kind of fellowship Jesus has come to destroy. We talk about work politics, we talk about family politics. We may greet each other at dinners even family extended dinners, we may handshake is a handshake of death, a kiss of death. When we greet each other, it's a handshake of shalom and a kiss of peace. Amen? So I do not know how we greet each other. I was in Brisbane and um, in this church for a bit during my sabbatical. And the culture there, the Australian culture is, you greet each other, right, with, with a hug and a kiss. And a lot, the congregation was older, a lot of older women. From the time Mona and me got to the door, to the time I got out of the pulpit, it would take maybe three to five minutes or more. Along the way, just all the old women just hugging, kissing, hugging, kissing. And still some of them wore lipstick. I was so afraid that by the time I got up to preach, right, I would have lipstick on my face. And my wife would be sitting there wondering, where did he get that from? It's just that. 
We went to international conference once, and some Samoans and Tongans came. You know how big the Maori, Samoans, Islanders, Tongans are? They are huge. And this lady who became truly a sister in Christ, um, the first time I welcomed her, boy, it was a big hug. But the time the conference ended, ended she hugged me, she hugged me so tight for the conference and said, uh, are you suffocating yet? <laughs> <laughs> they are all the different ways. Culturally, we express this. I tell you what shouldn't happen. You shouldn't come to a church premise, a building. The building is not the church, we are the people. And totally ignore greeting each other from the door. Whether it's Kochuan Primary or Kochuan Secondary or here at Adam Road. In the future, in Tenga. It's very ungodly to not acknowledge one another. Do not walk in like a Lone Ranger worshipper. We come in fellowship to one another. Amen? So greet each other from the start, from the word go. When people sit beside you, just ask for a dose of Jesus, break the eyes and say, hello, how are you? My name is, are you new here? Right? And the person replies, no, I've been here five years. <laughs> oh, you are new to me. It's okay. Can I get your name? If you forgot the person's name. And now you got a phone, can you take a photo? So you'll never forget the name and the face again. Why do you think all the time I flip my, my phone out? Among the pastoral staff, some of the younger ones, I cannot remember names. I said, we are about to sack you. No, sorry, sorry. As a pastor, you must remember names. You have to. Forgive me as I age. It gets, it gets harder. But we try our level best. So we try to remember names. It's very important that we do this. You sit together, greet each other. After the service, something struck you. Talk about what struck you from the sermon. And you can always do one thing for each other. You can always pray for one another. Amen? I don't know what I can do for you, can say to the person beside you, but I can pray for you. You know what? Ask for permission to pray. The person shouldn't refuse. If the person refuses, send them to Pastor Sankun, who is here, Pastor Adrian, Pastor Roger, who is there. Seldom do people reject an invitation to prayer. Seldom. I'm praying for your blessing. It's so important. Right? We mustn't build barriers between us. And I have to say this. I don't know, a while after Bishan was set up, one of our elders, Elder JC, sitting here, right? he went to visit Bishan. And the welcome that he got was like something along these lines. What are you doing here? There are two ways to say that, you know. One way is, wow, what are you doing here? So good that you're here. But what he got, the tone of it was not, wow, welcome, what are you doing here? It's, what are you doing here? <laughs> I hope and I pray, I've laboured all my life in LPC, that we will be a shining light of love, of breaking down barriers. Set will be the day that God has given us three premises and then when we go from Adam to Bishan and Bishan to Adam and Adam and Bishan to Tengah, we identify ourselves as Adamites and Bishanites and Tenganites. You're not going to arrive in heaven with that identity. You are Christians. He was saddened. I was saddened. Whoever he shared the story with was saddened. We never want to see a repeat of that. That you find your identity and security in locality. We must give each other the kiss of peace. The hand of Shalom. And now he comes to the warnings. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions, create obstacles, contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth tongue and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. I read every commentator I could. Nobody knows who this group are. Some say it's quite obvious. It's those who are highlighting the Jewish food and the Jewish sacred days. Could it be them bringing division, making a single issue of their Jewishness and making a non-issue of our Christianness where Jesus and the cross diminishes and something else becomes Jesus and the cross that unites us? Don't know. But it would seem that anybody who brings division and separation, so three warnings of dividers or separatists, watch out for them, stay away from them, right? And be discerning. 
be discerning. Be discerning of what? Verse 19. For your obedience is known to all. So I rejoice over you and want you to be as wise, to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. He spoke about this in Romans 12. Therefore be renewed by the transforming, uh, therefore be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The mind is renewed through Christ. And then you as Jews and Gentiles loving each other, that will be transformed. Right? He's totally alert that Satan is trying to bring disunity among this very loving, peaceful, united house churches. And that's why he runs down the list and greets them and commends them for all the expressions of love, of peace, and of unity. And he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace versus the Satan who stirs up wars in our hearts. And peace can only exist with the defeat of evil. Is this an allusion to Genesis 3.15? Where you could see that one day, the descendant of Eve will come and stem out the work of the evil one. Whatever it is, he's telling you, hey, Jews and Gentiles in Rome, the pursuit of love and peace and unity is an intense spiritual warfare. It will cost you a lot in your marriages and your families to pursue love and peace. It will cost you a lot to pursue love and peace and unity in the church of Christ. Amen? Amen as in true. You trying to keep your family together? Your natural family together? You trying to keep your marriage together? It will be costly. You have to say sorry to each other. You have to reckon, forgive and reconcile. You have to build security on both sides. So as I, I was invited to one our, to two our churches, I was making the move to join as one church so that there's strength in numbers. When they are separated, 100 plus on one side, 200 on the other side, example. When they are brought together and they can reach a certain part of Singapore collectively. So I preached, I ended, I closed in prayer, and a pastor spontaneously got up, gave me a hug, and broke down and cried in front of everybody. Why did he cry? Because it had been so stressful for him, so pressurizing for him, so accusatory of him for what he was trying to do to bring two churches to be united in Christ. Peacemaking is never simple. It's intense spiritual warfare. So the gospel greetings, the gospel warnings, Satan exists to break up all the things of love and unity and peace. But he ends with gospel assurance. Now to him is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Can we all read this together across both sides? According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings had been made known to all nations according to the command eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. He begins the gospel by, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God to save both Jews and Gentiles. He ends the gospel as, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for this gospel is not just saves you one, one off, it's able to strengthen you. Strengthen you, and you will not give up on glorifying God as one mind, one heart, one voice. Two different peoples, but rejoicing and glorifying God, rejoicing in Christ and glorifying God together. And so all this has been purposed by God, verse 26, but now disclosed to the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of God. And this is results in the obedience of faith. It could mean that faith itself is obedience or faith expresses itself in obedience. And ultimately, when we live this way, to the only wise God be glory forever and ever. You know how good it is when we break barriers and live with each other? So I ended my visit to Grace Orchard School 
on a high because they were making every effort to be inclusive of those who might be excluded simply because there's an intellectual barrier. It's doing so well that the government is pumping in money to build them bigger premises that would take in 700 plus students. But then the chairman said to me, while we were watching all those items that have been put up, and then said to me after the whole Thanksgiving and prize giving, the sadness of all the parents and the teachers here is after we have been with them for 10 years, 12 years, skill them as much as they can, as we can, most of them will not have jobs waiting for them. Very few employers are out there willing to employ them. Though they have made quantum leaps in their life, but to an average employer out there, they still CMI. They cannot make it. And that's the burden and the tears. And what is it we can do? We can do something about this. To break the barriers is one thing. To love each other so that we all blossom together and glorify God is the bigger thing. And here we are listening to this. May God empower us to not just break the barriers, but help each other to blossom. Can we in the future have some Christian business owners here who will open the doors as we have opened the doors to former drug addicts, to former prisoners, and offer them a job? To intellectually disabled, to offer them a job so that they will not spend their whole life after 12 years in a special needs school, only to go home and to be hopeless for the rest of their life. That will break the heart of the parents. We exist here to share the love of Jesus in every way. So going forward, we'll end every service with a question for yourself today and for the whole week. How can you mature in obedience to God's gospel greetings? The welcoming of each other, the loving of each other, yet at the same time take the warnings of anyone or anything that might separate us and then ultimately be assured that God who has begun this good work in us will bring it to completion. It's very hard work to break barriers and to be the one people of God but it is a totally doable work because Jesus has made it possible. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. Thank you for the cross, the mighty cross. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us Jesus. We pray that in reading this epistle, in hearing not just Paul's writing, the Apostle Paul's writing, we would hear your voice. That we should be unashamed of the gospel because it's your power for salvation, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. We thank you for your word in Romans 16. And pray that from this point onwards, we will treat every word that you have spoken to us as good for our salvation. And never just to skip over a list of greetings to think that they are dispensable when they carry the indispensable messages of love expressed in peace and oneness. The Jews and Gentiles who hated each other can be the one people who glorify you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to break every barrier. We want to confess and repent if we individually or collectively have walked around building barriers. Help us to confess and repent that when we come together and greet each other in our Saturday services, in our Sunday services, all around the world, we should begin with the joyful welcome acknowledgement to our church fellowships in our buildings. And then they're looking out for each other with love from the corner of our eyes, from the depth of our heart. Calling each other brothers and sisters in Christ, calling each other beloved, that we are in Christ, that we can be fellow workers, and at times we can be fellow sufferers. And all this is because you have created the new family of God, purchased through the blood of Christ.
and we pray that in knowing you, Lord Jesus, you will turn us into a vessel of love and peace and oneness. In your mighty name we pray, for the Father's glory, now and forevermore. Amen.